Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Sociopath and the Whistleblower is a four-part series. This marks part two of four. If you're a new listener to Small Town Dicks, we recommend that you tune into this story from the beginning, which is episode 11. Previously on The Sociopath and the Whistleblower. I just had an officer come here and want to bend me over and do me. Excuse me? Exactly. I've got his card right here. That's what the officer said to you? Yes, sir. I was assigned the investigation. The captain just said, well, look into it. I have to honestly say, and now's probably a good time, when I got this call, I'm an 18-year cop. I'm biased. I have developed my own credibility scale that is heavily weighted by criminal background. I didn't believe her. Her worst fear on the 911 call ends up coming true. This watch commander gets a picture of Terry, shows it to Robert, and says, this woman just called us and said that you were just at her house. And Robert says, I had never seen her before. Don't recognize her. She's obviously crazy. And so that watch commander did nothing. That was the hardest hurdle for me to get over was that these other women had come forward in different capacities to different people, and the word had gotten back to the police department. I decided to go out and do a witness canvas. Our call logs did not indicate that he had been there. And now you got this second witness. She said, he wrote my name, Terry, and my phone number in his notebook, so it'll be in his notebook. As I'm flipping through, not expecting to find Terry, bang, there it is. I'm Yardley. And I'm Zibby. And we're fascinated by true crime. So we invited our friends, detectives Dan and Dave, to sit down with us and share their most interesting cases. I'm Dan. And I'm Dave. We're identical twins, and we're detectives in small town USA. Dave investigates sex crimes and child abuse. Dan investigates violent crimes, and together we've worked on hundreds of cases, including assaults, robberies, murders, burglaries, sex abuse, and child abuse. Names, locations, and certain details of these cases have been altered to protect the privacy of the victims and their families. Bang, there it is. Terry and phone number. And it's written in a way that's totally contrary to how information is recorded. Like what? It was just some little doodling, right? Bizarre. But it, it was, it was Terry, 
and the phone number, just like she said. So was that like a gut punch for you? Yeah, it was like a holy shit. So, all right. I've caught him in a lie. For sure. So you've probably heard from Dan and Dave in law enforcement. There's this term, if you lie, you die. No, we've never heard that. It seems fairly obvious, but tell us what that means to you. Well, integrity and credibility for law enforcement is everything. If you lie during the course of an official investigation, that information will be used to haunt you every time you testify in the future. It's a mark on your credibility. It is. And if you don't have credibility, you can't be a cop. More than 100 cops have lost their job, not because of their conduct that they were being accused of, but because they lied about it. Indeed. You literally can't even testify in court. They put you on a list. Is that right? Where your testimony is no longer credible, so it's worthless. What's that list called? It's called the Brady List. Great. So I know I've got that. I know that he's lied, and that's a big deal. Still, in my mind, something is going on between Robert and Terry. And I think maybe they had an affair, and it went south, and now she's trying to submarine him and ruin him. That's the conclusion I had. She's still one of the bad guys. Yeah, I still don't believe the poor girl. I was being professional and nice and listening, and maybe I was advocating for her, but at the same time, I was scrutinizing the hell out of everything she said. It sounds like she sensed this anyway. She knew what she might be up against. She did, yeah. From the minute she made the first 911 call. Right. I don't want to tell you anything until I know it's real. I want to set up a sting. And then we screwed it up, just like she figured we would. All right, so you have Robert in a lie. You have Terry's story at least partially corroborated because her name and number are in his notebook. But you're still really skeptical and you have to conduct this investigation. So what did you do? So I called Robert. I set up a recording. And in the state that I work in, it's called a single party consent state, which means if I make a phone call to another party, as long as I know the call's being recorded, it's legal to record that conversation. So I call Robert at home. He's been on administrative leave for several days. And as Yardley pointed out, this is a big deal. I would certainly not be sleeping. I couldn't sleep. I call him and he's like, yeah, hello? You know, I mean, he's clearly asleep. Hello, this is Scott. I wake you up, buddy. Yeah, that's So we start talking. I'm just, I'm just in a position where I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out a way that we can account for you. Yeah. And here's the, I, I, uh, I did, did the, I told you I was going to search your locker. Yeah. And uh, we, we need to talk about this. I need to know what the deal is with this person. Okay. Are you by yourself? Yeah. You need to tell me, buddy, what's going on. Why? What did you find in there? I mean, I mean, her name and number is in your book, just like she said it was going to be. Really? Her first name and number. Hmm. I guess what I'm saying is, if there's, you know, if there's something going on, man, now's the time. I mean, people get backed into a corner and and uh, they make statements before they give it a lot of thought, and you know. The ink isn't dried on this thing. But, you know, I got this woman who's telling me all this stuff, and every goddamn time I turn around, stuff is lining up with what she's saying. I said, the ink isn't dry on this investigation. 
were you having a fling with Terry and it went south and now she's trying to ruin you? I mean, dude, you got to tell me something. So then he starts talking. Hmm. No, I mean, there was, there was nothing going on. I mean, I guess, you know, a long time, I guess the first time you know, I dealt with this gal is when she made a move at me. I thought I was there for a suicidal subject, but I didn't know I was there. I don't remember it being a dispute. Yeah, it was a suicidal subject. I thought I was there for a suicidal subject, and I was talking to her, hey, you know, and you got to keep yourself strong, keep going, blah, 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 blah. And everything was fine. You know, she reached out, oh, can I hug you? Can I hug you? I go, hey, you know, I mean, okay, fine. She made a motion to kiss me. It wasn't some mutual make-out kiss type of deal. Never was. And, uh, and that was that. And she calls me, she goes, you know, can I call you for support? And I go, you know what? If it's gonna keep you alive, basically, you can do what you want to do. You can call, I've had people call me and I've called kids. Let me just go, hey, how's it going? What's going on? How are you hanging in there or whatnot? Blah, blah, blah. Sure. She, uh, she called me after that several times. Then it started, you know, hey, I like you, you know, I hope, you know, I want to see you. I go, well, that's not quite how it works. I'm not, you know, there's nothing to see. There's nothing, to, I mean, you know, that was that. And uh, she called after that several times. You know, I never returned her call. Never, you know, and that went on for that. Um, then... I'm trying to remember after that what there was. I don't remember having contact at that point. It seems to me she called out of the blue sometime. I have it slice video when that was. And then let's see. So she lays a kiss on you when you're at the call on on uh, the first time. Yeah. And it wasn't mutual. She just, she's emotional and she's distraught or whatever. And so she lays one on you. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually in my car trying to leave. Okay. And she was just let me hug you in the car. And I figured, you know, I'm in the car. Right. Okay, reach and just hug me, blah, blah, blah. And it was just, you know, she's like, oh, hey, 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 hey. This, this ain't happening here. What are you, you know, what are you thinking? Working, you know, it's, you know. It also sounds like you fed him and out in a sense yeah. you, you know you gave him a possible scenario that you could believe before mm-hmm. he had a chance to speak to it do, would you do you agree with that totally yeah turned out that a provable lie is better than just a blank denial right sure and then he describes this more current event in 2003 you mean the one terry calls about yeah and he does this bridging a guest speak at the university in an interview class and I've done so for about the last seven or eight years, every term, and I talk about this investigation. And I use myself as a guinea pig, but he is really a manipulative personality because he knows what I am. I'm trouble. He knows that I have an inclination to believe every word he says and that I'm biased. And when all else is equal, I'm going to believe what he has to say. I think his initial response to me was kind of like an excited utterance. I think he wanted to tell me something. And when I gave him that opportunity to say that it was just an affair that had gone wrong, 
Robert took that and started going with it. Almost as a, oh, that's the way it happened, right? Yeah. And then he starts telling the story. Is that what the term bridging refers to? Bridging is, imagine you're thinking in your mind, okay, what happened next? What do I tell him happened next? And I need to say something so I'm just not sitting there saying nothing. So he kept talking about repeatedly, I was going to Taco Bell. I was going to go try to find something to eat. So I was just driving around basically looking for something to eat, just basically eating, you know, driving around. To the Taco Bell. And I just roll up there, basically. I just roll around basically eating or how I was doing. That one, seven, man, was the only thing open. I was dying, starving. So I cruise over to the other Taco Bell. I'm eating, just driving, just basically just eat. I cruise down there. I think I just basically eat. And uh, I think I'm just sitting there basically eating is all I'm doing. And uh, eating, driving type of deal. You know, I think that's why I'm rolling down there to get something to eat. I ended up rolling into City Hall. I think I actually cruised into City Hall to use a bathroom. I roll back, I think, check the Taco Bell. I think it was too fat, too full, too many people in there, so I just dart towards the other one. Cruise to the Taco Bell, I think, I believe. I just pull in there just to finish eating. I always talk about in this class that I do at the university, I have somebody check how many times he says it, and it's just comical. And, I mean, he said that over and over and over and over again. Really? Just filling that time, trying to think in his mind, give me that distraction. Right, so I can figure out what comes next. Right. And, you know, at that point in time in my career, I'd been an 18-year cop. Predatory sex offenders were really my bread and butter. I mean, I could talk to a sex offender, and I know how to interview a sex offender. But I'm not talking to a sex offender. I'm talking to a cop, right? So it's really difficult for me. I'm still having this struggle. But I am getting there. He goes on to describe that, you know, I'd gone there a year before and had been there for this dispute. I'm just driving around about a year later. And I thought, hey, I wonder how Terry's doing. Gosh, it's been so long. Here it is midnight. (laughs) Maybe I'll go check in on her and see how she's doing, right? He says that to you? Yeah, he's just like, hey, you know, I mean, I just thought I'd check in on her. Say, hey, how's it going? It's been so long. How are you doing? Hanging in there? I mean, he's just weird, right? Because I'm a thoughtful guy. Yeah. Community policing. Yeah, community policing. So he knocks on the door, and then he says, and then she starts coming on to me. She always a kiss on me. And she goes, don't you think I'm an attractive gal? I'm going to say, no, you're ugly than hell, but, oh, you know, you know, you know, yeah, you know, you're, you're doing fine. Looks like you're fine, you know. Keep yourself together. She tells me her boyfriend gets arrested. Hey, you know what? Keep it up. You know, go. You know, keep it up. You can do it without him. Blah, 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 blah. She lifts her shirt up. She lifts her shirt. Hey, 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 hey. Can't have it. That was that. So she pulls up her shirt. Does she have anything underneath? She just shows you the bear. I thought she had a bra. You know, I don't even remember. I mean. You know what she was wearing? I think she may have had pajamas on. I don't remember. Okay. I really, I mean, at that point, I knew, you know what? Over my head. Done. Okay. And that was basically about it. I mean, it was embarrassing, I guess, but you know what? I didn't go around there with the intent to do this, to do that, to touch her, do that, do this. She put her hands on to hug me. It wasn't a question of me saying, hey, touch me here, do this. I got time. I got an hour, whatever she said. Yeah. It was a question of trying to peel one hand off at a time, I mean, and basically about it. 
So uh, when she grabs on you, you said peeling off one hand at a time. What do you mean? Well, you know, she's, she basically embraced me. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, you know, I'm not trying to hug, you know, cause it was just being awkward, being hugged, I guess, in that uniform. Yeah. I kind of just reached behind with one hand, hey, 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 and probably one hand off my waist, basically. It was, you know, it was never, hey, touch me here, do this, that, never. Because now when she, when she shows you her breast, where is she? Is she like right in your face, like close up to you? I mean, she hugged you, right? So she's pretty close. Well, she takes a step back. What, did she say anything when she pulled up her shirt? She goes, no, you know you want to see these. There's not much there. I'm going, what? Hey, 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 hey. She goes, I don't have much. You don't have to worry about it. No, that's not quite what I was thinking. You know, or something like that, you know? How about, uh, is it possible that when, when you were trying to get your get her hands off of you, that you touched her breast and her, or her buttocks, one of the one of the two, while you were trying to get her hand away from you? I'm assuming that you did not fondle her breast intentionally or touch her buttocks intentionally. I didn't touch anything intentionally. Okay. You know, that was not the whole thing. Like I said, I knew I was in over my head. I did you know, it was just stupid. And uh, that was never my intention to, you know. I mean, it's a, you know, you're, you gotta figure this is a year since I even dealt with this way. I mean, all of a sudden it's like, hey, wait a I didn't think about her one time. She didn't think, I mean, I'm sure she told there wasn't some type of a, you know, a sexual thing as far as that goes. But she'd been calling you periodically throughout since, since you were there in May, had she, or? And they was talking 2002. Yeah, she been calling. Yeah, she yeah. called a few times after that. She initially the calls were, oh, I just wanted to see how, uh, you know, I'm doing better. And you know, basically that's what, how it started. Okay. I'm doing better, you know. Things are going better. I'm getting more, you know. Anyway, hey, well, good for you, you know. Glad to hear everything's going good. And then all of a sudden the calls turn to, uh, she's doing better. It's like, I think I like you. I think I want to see you. Uh, well, it's not going to happen. And that's when I reached and stopped returning her calls, basically. Okay. The, the, uh, she has your business card and stuff, um, obviously. When did she get that from you? I think the card, I mean, I know I gave her one the last time. Yeah. I don't remember if I gave her one this time. You know, I, tell, I don't remember. Okay. But she had your number regardless. Yeah. As far as your voicemail. So, um, is it possible in trying to get her hands off of you that that she that your hand could have you know touched her breast or her butt? Uh, did she did she grab your hand and put your hand on anything? You know, I was trying to remember if she did that or not. I don't. I don't remember feeling her breast. I really don't. I don't. And I don't remember her putting my hand. I don't remember. I just remember her showing me that. I don't remember if she's saying, I go, hey, 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 you know. I did tell her, you know, hey. You know, and I do remember putting, making the gesture, put the shirt down thing. It was embarrassing. I mean, she was embarrassing herself, basically. You know, there's a really big difference between I don't remember and it didn't happen. Right. But he's also minimizing her to me. Like, hey, you know, there's not much there, but here they are. And uh, she says, what, don't you think I'm attractive? And he says, well, I'm going to tell you, you're uglier than hell. I mean, so he's saying these things to me. 
right. trying to marginalize her and put her into a category of not being believable. Wow. So he's even giving you specifics about how she's coming onto him, making it seem like it's just all her. Like I said, the way she reports this, um, the way you have to review them is how they re- how the victim reports. And, um, and, who is it? and who's the victim? Is she wanting to be the victim here now? Or is it that we're running with it? No, I mean, she's um, she's been pretty clear about the fact that she's pissed about this situation and that she says that... that uh, that you put her your hands on her butt, grabbed her boobs, and that it wasn't she didn't want it. <laughs> so well, I ask her about the rest, I guess. That's what I'm thinking. And see if she doesn't cave because yeah. she's you know. Yeah. Um, Told in with her calling me, blah blah blah. Yeah. Well, and we'll be able to figure out when she's calling you. She is it is that it's gone on throughout the last since since the first time you met with her there. That was the first time you'd ever had any contact with her was in May on that call, right? Yeah. Because um, we can go through and figure out when she's called in, you know, to the system. Uh, we can figure out when she's called in. Did you ever call her back on, on any other number other than it's at work here? Did you call her from your cell or anything like that? I don't believe so. I think it was just at work, I believe. She doesn't have any other numbers for you other than the, the voicemail, right? Right. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I... I uh, I don't know. This this whole thing is I'm going to have to submit it to the DA for review, the whole situation, and uh, let them evaluate and determine if there's if there's any criminal um, act or any grounds for criminal charges. I should say the the one issue is that um, you know. I, I think that you bring up a, a point that needs to be looked into, which is, is she just is she just making this shit up because she's pissed at me? When she calls in, she says she's thinking about trying to set you up. You know, she doesn't think anybody will believe her that this happened, and the only way to overcome that is to uh, is to is to set up a date with you and have you show up at her apartment. And what? And then let us know that uh, you're coming, you know, and we'll, we're wait, laying in wait for you. Or something uh, like that. So this is just uncomfortable, you know that. I mean, you and I go back since you've been here, and um, it's just an uncomfortable situation. And I and I want to be honest with you. I don't know how this is going to go. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey folks, Detective Dave here. Let me tell you about Simply Safe, the home security system that I trust to keep my family safe. I depend on Simply Safe to provide me and my loved ones with 360 degree coverage of my property and valuables. I love the variety of monitoring sensors available with Simply Safe Home Security. You get a glass break sensor, which in my experience is one of the most effective tools of detecting a break-in. In addition, Simply Safe offers motion sensors, entry sensors, sirens, and flood and fire detection. With Simply Safe Home Security, I have the flexibility to use keypads at multiple entries at my house. This option is especially important to me and my family. I can provide access to people I trust and limit having multiple keys outside of my control, all at the push of a button via the Simply Safe app. It comes with a variety of cameras for indoors and outdoors. And best of all, Simply Safe is backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than $1 a day. It gives me peace of mind knowing I can leave the house, I can leave town, I can even leave the country, and I know my home is Simply Safe. The mobile app integration makes it so easy to make sure everything's in place in real time. I check it every day when I'm away from home. Simply Safe is the best. U.S. News and World Report named Simply Safe Best Home Security Systems 2024, and Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. With Simply Safe, there are no contracts, and if you're not happy with the service or the product, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system. With Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/smalltown. That's simplysafe.com/smalltown. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This is the turning point. We had conducted a grand jury subpoena on his personal cell phone records, and I ended up using his cell phone records like a roadmap. To identify victims. So, big surprise, Robert lied. Of course he was using his cell phone to call victims. Of course he was. Yeah, because I had already learned that he had used the computer to run Terry's name multiple times, that he had actually called her multiple times. In law enforcement, we're pretty confidential people. A guy who is using his personal cell phone between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m. repeatedly while he's on the job is weird. Yeah. So I started to look at Robert like a predatory sex offender with access to confidential computer systems. But what happens is I see that he leaves Terry's apartment at 12.03 on June 11th, 2003. At 12.11, so just a few minutes later, he runs this girl on the computer named Lisa. And I don't know Lisa from anybody, but I check her name and she fits the profile. She's a chronic offender. She's got prostitution and narcotics-related offenses. She appears to have some mental illness, and she stays at a rent-by-the-week hotel in downtown, and he's been calling that hotel. And I find that there are times when he calls her at that hotel, he uses the computer to run Lisa's name, and Lisa, during the time that he checks her name, has a warrant for her arrest. He calls her multiple times when she's got these warrants, but he never acts on the warrants, right? It's his sex leverage. Exactly. So 
I go out and I cold contact Lisa at her hotel room and knock on the door. She lives there with her nine-year-old daughter Ugh. in a studio apartment. And she's a hundred miles a really hard road. She's a kind of delightful personality. You know, she laughs and giggles, but you know, she's a mess. Mm. And she's got visible needle tracks on her arms. You know, she's clearly got some sort of a mental illness, maybe a little bit paranoid schizophrenic. Mm. How does she come to Robert's attention at first? Does she place a call and he goes out or is he just now trolling for a specific profile? So he's rebuffed as a sex offender. So he is on the hunt for a victim. Right. Right. And predatory sex offenders go into that mode of hunting victims. Mm. And so Terry, through her own savvy ability, she rebuffs him, right? She wants to put him off and set him up. Yeah. So he goes five minutes later and he runs Lisa's name. And so when I go knock on the door and talk to Lisa... Inside of her studio apartment, she's written all over the walls in Sharpie notes. And she's got Robert's phone number, Robert's cell phone number. Stop it. The police department, all these weird quotes. Yeah. I have chills. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of overwhelming because this is a cold contact. This is a... Yeah, you you weren't expecting, you know, his name on the walls. Right. I'm Sergeant Scott, and I'm doing this investigation involving Robert. I notice he has a lot of phone calls to you. He seems to have a lot of contacts with you. I wonder what the nature of your relationship is with him. And she goes, well, he's my boyfriend. Oh, God. What? She says, yeah. He spends a lot of time at my apartment. He comes over, and he'll bring me and my daughter food. And he would spend almost his entire shift, as she described it, in uniform at her apartment. Come He'd on. park his car behind the apartments in the alley. What? And then he would just chill with her and hang out. And if he got a call, he'd walk down the stairs and get in his car and go on the call and then he'd come right back. And <gasps> she said he spent a lot of time there. Well, I think he was trying to assess her vulnerability. And like I said, she was very complicated. I mean, she had mental illness. She had a giggle and laughter about her that came at times when you wouldn't expect laughter. I think she was really difficult for him to read. But she ultimately told me he was my boyfriend, and he would come over here, and he'd let me smoke my weed and drink, and I wouldn't get in trouble. She said he'd park his police car out in the alley. I'd sit in my lawn chair next to him, and I'd put a blanket over my lap, and then I could keep my 40, my booze there. She said sometimes the police would roll by, and Robert would do this. He'd hold out four fingers to the car, and the car would just... Code four. Yeah, code four. What does code four mean? Code four is a cop code for everything's good, I don't need any help, or I'm code four with one means I just arrested one, there's no problems. When cops drive by each other on a traffic stop, say they ask for a cover unit to roll by, a cop might flash four fingers at the cop driving by to let him know, I'm okay now, you can just drive off. It's just to let everyone know that you're fine. And it's not like she knew what that meant. So that's information for you and actually lends itself to her credibility, no? Yeah. Who else is going to know that, right? You're not going to tell that to somebody like Lisa, really, right? Right. This is our secret inside, right? But she said, yeah, and then the police would go by and then I'd, you know, look around and take a drink and we'd laugh and, you know, I'd give him a blowjob when he wanted a blowjob. 
sometimes you get mad at me and say, you know, you need to stop hanging around with Joe, whoever, because Robert was familiar with the criminals and he started kind of becoming possessive. She said he would call me on my cell phone and he'd be watching me from a long ways away and he'd say, you need to get out of there and go back to your apartment and take care of your daughter because she had daughter Lizzie. And he would say stuff like, you know, those guys are going to be trouble for you, so you need to stay away from them. And she said, I started getting freaked out by his behavior. You know, it was kind of cool having a cop in my back pocket because I could do what I wanted. But at the same time, it was starting to freak me out. So she said, when I would give him a blowjob, he would always force me, he would tell me to swallow his semen. Mm. And he made sure that I did. And she said, one time, I kept it, and I spit it on a pair of sweatpants. Evidence. Yeah. She told you that was an actual thought she had is, I need to retain this? Yeah, she spit his semen on a pair of sweatpants, and she said, I rolled it up, and I put it on my shelf, and I told my friend, if anything ever happens to me, it's this cop. You are kidding me. No. So even Lisa, she suffers from mental illness, she's got some issues, had the wherewithal to, one, feel a sense of danger around her, quote, cop boyfriend. Yeah. And be so calculating as to do that, save it, and tell a friend about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Come on. With Lisa, abuse this term, it's, I guess, crazy, but not stupid. Yep. Because she basically tells the friend, if anything ever happens to me, this cop did it, and his DNA is on these sweatpants. So did you go find those sweatpants? <laughs> yeah, that's my next question. Holy I go, shit. Uh, I said, do you still have those sweatpants? And she said, yeah. I got them right in there on the shelf. And I said, can I have them? And she goes, you know what? I told my friend, if anybody ever came around to start asking questions about this, that I would call my friend. So she gets on the cell phone and calls her friend, Dave. Not me. <laughs> sure, buddy. <laughs> Not this Dave. Different spelling. Exactly. Different spelling. <laughs> so um, she calls Dave, and Dave is on the phone with her, and I can hear him yelling on the receiver, Put the cop on the phone, you know. So she says, he wants to talk to you. Hands me the phone. And he says, who is this? You know, it's Lieutenant Scott. Well, do you have a search warrant, Lieutenant? Well, no, I don't have a search warrant, but I can apply to get one. But I was hoping that, you know, I'm, I'm working on Lisa's behalf. I think we have a bad cop, and I'll fucking save it. I've heard all that shit before. If you don't have a search warrant, fuck you, basically. So... He says, I'm on my way. And Lisa's being friendly still. But what I've noticed about Lisa while I'm having this conversation with her at the doorstep is that she seems to be into the drama. You know, we're on an open balcony that overlooks the street, and she's on the second floor, and this is a pay-by-week sort of a place, and there's lots of people moving around, and she's kind of drawing other people into the conversation, saying, hey, you know, see, I told you, I remember about that cop? Well, that's what they're here for. These cops are here to talk to me about that cop, you know? It's contaminating witnesses. Is what sure, doing, yeah. You know? But, you know, I'm just noticing that she is into the attention, right? What do you mean contaminating witnesses? Well, we like to interview people one-on-one, -on -one, not in a crowd, so people don't overhear statements because we later want to corroborate the statements that we're getting from this one person by going to someone else. So we'd rather hear it independently so it doesn't, taint what other people are saying. Yeah. You know what? I wasn't even thinking about that because my mind, I suspected I might have probable cause to obtain a warrant, but I wasn't certain. And a warrant at that point in the investigation, it creates a paper trail that I am not really interested in creating. 
the more people that know about information, the more possible it is that that information leaks out. And I don't want any part of this investigative course to be leaked out and get back to Robert. So I call uh, one of my friends at my agency's version of CSI, right? We have our own lab and they had just gotten a new van. They like to go out on field trips because they're scientists. They're always inside a lot. And so I call this guy. They had three other staff and I said, can you bring them out and bring your lab coats, wear your gloves and your footies. I'm trying to kind of create a little bit of street theater is what I told him. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Well, because I had a plan. You want to make it look official. Yeah. For Lisa and her friend Dave's benefit. Because I know Dave's a loose cannon. I can already tell that Dave is going to be problem. But Lisa is into the drama. And I thought this might be an opportunity for me to just get at this evidence and not have to make it so formal. I want it now. That's amazing. So Don, the lead lab guy, drives the van out there and they arrive in the parking lot and they park down below where I can see him. And he gets out and in like animated fashion, he puts on his lab coat. So he's gained like 40 pounds since he last wore his lab coat when he got it. He was a new <laughs> guy. God, and so it's like, you know, he's got these sausage arms and he's, you know, putting his footies on and they come up the stairs. And about this time, Dave had arrived. And Dave was like her curbside lawyer saying, you didn't let him in, right? Because remember what I told you? You got evidence. And what's going to happen is they're going to take your evidence and then these cops are going to lose the evidence. And there goes your case. He's smart too. Clever man. He was very hyper-protective of Lisa. I'll say that. So I told Don and his crew what I wanted to do. And I got to the point where I asked Lisa, where's this evidence? And she said, well, you see those sweatpants on that shelf? They're rolled up out in open air. Those are the sweatpants. Sometimes people well-intended hanging on to what is biological evidence, so semen in this case, will think you got to put that in a plastic bag and seal it tight and then it'll be preserved. Well, what happens is biological fluid starts to biodegrade and pretty soon you've got a Ziploc baggie full of mush. It's like a greenhouse for bacteria. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. So she has preserved this in a way that it would last forever, you know, in theory. Unbeknownst to her. Yeah. I mean, I think she just happened to store it that way. So Lisa and Dave sidebar and Dave says, all right, here's what we're going to do. You can bring your lab people up here and you can cut the stain down the middle and we'll keep our half and you can have your half. I think he's brilliant. Freaking ingenious. It's kind of good. Yeah. Dave's. He's hedging his bet. Yeah. Or he has experience with this and one wonders why and how. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Dave Dave is just, (laughs) he doesn't trust the cops, the thin blue line. Mm. He's thinking, I know how this goes. Those guys all look out for themselves. They'll uh, lose the evidence on the way to the locker, and boom, puff, there goes your evidence. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So, Dave, Lisa's unofficial street lawyer, negotiated with you guys and... Ultimately, they give us our half of the evidence. That's genius. But as it turns out, Robert is aspermazoic, which means he's been vasectomized. So there's no cellular matter in his semen, in theory. Oh, no. Oh, shit. Yeah. So So, is is he useless? Well, no. So at that time, back in 2003, YSTR DNA was relatively new. What's YSTR? So under a certain scientific process, there's the potential that you can still extract Y chromosome from the DNA sample, from the semen sample, So there might be some minute cellular matter that has DNA. Male DNA. Male DNA. They can now differentiate with YSTR analysis female and male DNA, but that's 2017. So back in 2003, DNA, you think about it in a cell phone world, we're talking brick phones back in 2003 versus what we have now. DNA analysis has kind of evolved similar to the way cell phones have. Totally. When we learned that he is vasectomized and we encountered this potential obstacle with this evidence, because as you pointed out, Yardley, you may not be able to get anything out of it. Mm. I consulted with a private laboratory in Sacramento, and they said, well, we can evaluate your sample, but it costs like, I think it was $12,000. And it was a, you pay the fee and it's either you get the results or not, but you still cost $12,000. So I remember wrestling with the district attorney about this for quite a while because, in my opinion, this was key evidence. Because if I could prove by that kind of DNA evidence that Robert would offend against this woman and that her story was true and that that really was his semen on those sweatpants and her story about the forcible sexual assaults in exchange for freedom and consideration were true— then she was my access to that kind of criminal underworld of women who were similarly situated and similarly didn't trust the police. So if you could gain the trust of one, then she could then spread the word and say, this guy's okay, he's on our side. Yeah. So they sent the sample to the lab. Oh, wow. That's a win. And they were able to get results. And as it turns out, Robert, besides from being very unique in his behaviors criminally, is a very unique individual by way of DNA in that his DNA occurs once in every two billion of the population. What? Yeah. So it's him. I'm curious, had you already obtained a sample from him, a sample standard? No. Okay. So you know when they do the analysis on this DNA, they say this we would expect to occur one out of every two billion people. Right. So you know... Back then, I don't know what the population in 03 was, but it'd maybe be a little bit more than 2 billion people. Exactly. You're thinking, yeah, I think— There aren't 2 billion people in this town that you're working yeah, in. There's like uh, yeah, 150,000, <laughs> so I'm thinking that's pretty compelling. So the investigation was going full swing. As I mentioned, we had obtained grand jury subpoenas for his cell phone records, and we were able to utilize his cellular telephone records as a roadmap, along with his notebook. In his notebook, there were more— 
individual names with phone numbers. He was very creative and crafty. He would embed certain phone numbers into other numbers. As time went on, I found these phone numbers of his favorite girls. Like he would write some letters in front or digits in front of a phone number and then put the phone number in there. Like he's writing down a serial number yeah, or a pen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you really kind of had to evaluate these notebooks forensically. You had to just continually look at them and flip through them. This became an overwhelming investigation because right about at this time, another complaint came in involving a police officer, Francisco, who had been Robert's recruit. Robert was the field training officer for Francisco. And now we were getting complaints from a person saying Francisco was doing the same stuff. Same vulnerable population complaining about Francisco now? Yes. So presumably, Robert was training Francisco to participate in the same behavior of preying on vulnerable frequent flyers? Well, we never found any official records. Okay, maybe you couldn't decipher that definitively, but what are the odds that Francisco was acting without any sort of influence? Yeah, I think by exposure. And, you know, there was a point in the investigation where one of the women, Miriam, who was victimized by Robert, described an interaction with both of the officers when Francisco and Robert were together. She had to do them both? No, but she was walking down the street on a busy thoroughfare uh, mid-afternoon, and she said that Robert and Francisco pulled up in a police car. Robert was driving. Francisco was the recruit. She said he was a younger guy. And that Robert had had her assume the position. So put your hands on the trunk of my car. Okay. Spread your legs. Pat down searched her in a commentary fashion. So he's talking out loud about what he's doing. He's describing for Francisco, this is where you look for narcotics when you're searching these girls. And he opens her bra. He makes some comment like, oh, nice tits. And then he reaches down into the front of her skirt and pulls out a bindle of heroin. Says, see, this is where they keep it. Isn't that right, Miriam? And then he drops it back into her panties. Oh, he drops it back? Yep. And he says, we'll be talking again. Let's her go. And so by exposure, here's Francisco watching his coach describing how you can get away with this. And what was the complaint that was issued against Francisco? There was a guy who had pled guilty to manufacture delivery of a controlled substance, marijuana, back in the old days. Mm. Pre-medicine days. Pre-medicine days. So (laughs) he was, uh, this guy's name was Matt. He had a marijuana grow in a garage. And his girlfriend, Lisa, so Matt and his Lisa shared a house. So another Lisa. Yeah, different Lisa. And she worked as a stripper. Matt and Lisa live in this house, and Francisco liked to hang out at the strip clubs at night. He was later determined that he would frequently patrol those parking lots, especially at closing time, and he would engage the staff, the strippers, in conversation because they'd come out to smoke or whatever, take a break, and he would pull up and talk to them and chat with them and flirt with them as they all describe. While he's on duty. So he's on duty working nights, and instead of actually being on duty, he's going to the strip club. He's driving into the strip club under the auspices of doing what we call a patrol check, just to, you know, drive through and make sure everything's okay because those clubs end up sometimes having alcohol-related problems and yada, yada. So 
he's doing that under the auspices of a patrol check, but what he's really doing is he's trying to get close to these girls. He's trolling. He's trolling, yeah. And so he ends up having an interest in Lisa. He figures out where she lives and then finds out that she's got this boyfriend, Matt. And so Matt ends up getting charged with a pretty elaborate uh, marijuana grow that he has in his garage and that he has really deliberately concealed and ventilated. And then suddenly the police come and they execute a search warrant at his house and they seek and find this marijuana grow. And ultimately, Matt just pleads guilty to the charges. And then he later learns, you know, subsequent to his conviction, that Francisco had been targeting Lisa for his affection. When Matt was in custody at the jail, Francisco had come over to his house when Lisa was there and had come in and visited with her and some of her panties came up missing and some nude photographs that she had in her dresser were gone. And she figured that Francisco had stolen them while he was there. These guys, seriously. Matt put this information together and he read the police report that Francisco had created and found that Francisco reported in his police report that he walked by the street on a patrol check and smelled the odor of green marijuana. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then he called another officer over and said, hey, I think I smell green marijuana. And this other officer had no idea what was going on. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I do smell marijuana. Francisco used that as probable cause to approach the court and say, I made a plain view, open air observation in a place where I'm lawfully able to be, which is, would be the sidewalk. And I smelled this marijuana and I believe that it came from this house. But in reality, it was later determined that he had likely climbed the fence and gone into the backyard to steal the underwear and the photographs. And while he was doing that, he made an observation that he wouldn't have normally been able to make. Leverage. Leverage, right. So this Matt fellow wanted the court to vacate his conviction. So that Francisco case came to me at that point. It was at about the same time when they brought that case to me and I said, I need somebody to help me with this because I could see that this was evolving. And the chief said, who do you want? And I said, well, I want Dennis. And the chief said, well, Dennis retired two weeks ago. And I said, well, I want Dennis. I still want him. <laughs> yeah. So they brought Dennis back on contract and Dennis worked with me wow, for like a year. Wow, that's amazing. Can I ask what it was about Dennis that made you insist they bring him out of retirement? Yeah, you could have picked anyone. Why Dennis? He had 10 or 15 years of police career on me. So I had 18 years at the time and he was approaching 30 years. What I liked about him is that he was a mild-mannered, confident, and he did have a gifted sort of friendly way about him. And I had partnered with him on other kind of sensitive cases. I really liked his intuitive thought, and I knew that he was a confidential person. And that was my main concern, that this information did not go out to anybody. So you trusted him? Yeah. The Sociopath and the Whistleblower will return next week with part three. Small Town Dicks is produced by Zibby Allen and Yardley Smith for Paperclip Limited, with editing from Logan Heftel and Yardley and Zibby. Music for the show was composed by John Forrest. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you like to listen to your podcasts. 
and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Small Town Dicks. Also, visit our website, smalltowndicks.com, for more information and to leave questions and comments for the team. <laughs>